no chance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 28 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate. We want to give a huge shout out, as we always do in the beginning of every episode, to literally everybody that's been sending us questions or, or telling us how great we're everybody. doing. It's, it's everybody. Been, it's been pretty pretty awesome to see you guys interact with us a little bit more. I know like the first couple of weeks we thought people were going to. We literally got nothing. It was just our friends like, yo, keep up the good work, which... You know, it was cool, but um, <laughs> shout out to all the strangers, man. It's the strangers hitting us up, being like, yo, just, you know, bullshitted and listened to 15 episodes straight. And I'm just like, that's what's up. Also, shout out to uh, a one Mr. Benny Gold for yeah, subscribing sh- sh- to yeah. us. Shout I hope you did, him. Benny. I hope you did. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure you go listen to the past episodes. Let us know what you think. Cause, uh, you, we always like you, feedback. You, yeah, especially from you. You have a very cemented imprint in the streetwear game and we want to hope that we're doing it justice by hopefully saying (laughs) the right things and having all the history facts correct but anyways uh thank you guys let's get into actually let's not get into the first topic (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about something that i've been seeing a lot more lately yeah you and i have both been seeing and i always send you um, new podcasts that are coming up, yeah, right? I, I usually you don't reply to your texts. I'm you sorry. You never do. I, <laughs> I'm really bad at texting. I'm it's, sorry. What can okay. I say? I didn't know that until the last episode when you said you were bad at texting. Really bad. But anyways. Um, but yeah, in the first episode, we sort of talked about how we got into podcasting, right? Podcasting is still relatively new for a lot of people. Um, we get messages every day from you guys saying like, yo, you know, this is my first podcast or yeah, you know, I just stumbled across you guys. And by the way, we're glad to pop your podcast, Cherry. Yeah, we said that in the first episode. Yeah. I was super excited about that, weirdly. Um, but yeah, so I'll send Nate, you know, different podcasts that I come across, um, web shows, anything that sort of talks about streetwear, maybe includes some of our famous, uh, or not famous friends, but um, people that we admire in the streetwear Yeah, our game. friends and shit. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Um, so I always send Nate these these podcasts that I see and I'm seeing a lot more pop up. It's so odd. And I would I mean streetwear podcasts. Streetwear right? podcasts yeah, in general. Yeah. You know, podcasts, you know, podcasts come up every day, B. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but for the most part we're seeing a lot of good ones. We see um Hype Beast has their own I think it's Hype Beast Radio. Is that what it is? Yeah, I still haven't listened to that. Is that the one where Jeff Staple hosts it? That or? Jeff Staple, his yeah. his segment on there um is called The Business of Hype which has been amazing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. That is probably like the, I would say the pinnacle of, of, you know, like an actual in-depth conversation of things that, you know, information that's not even on the internet. You, you literally have to recollect those experiences f- by talking to the actual person. Oh yeah, for sure. Whether you it's, have to be like literally involved in the industry. Yeah. Like yeah. Living it for you know? years, be friends, yeah. close friends for them to be able to say stuff like this. Um, there's the the high snobiety they have their own um which i think it's um high snobiety conversations i think that's interesting what it is. i actually um, haven't heard of that one that one's okay um what else is there uh there weren't too many when we first started i'd say there was we about like, there was one one i think there's one other one when we started now i think there's maybe 
four or five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the one that when we started, Racks and Stacks, uh, shout out to you guys. I never actually listened to your podcast, but um, I saw that you guys were in there a long time ago. You haven't updated anything recently, but shout out to you guys if you guys are still doing your thing. Um, but yeah, you see a lot more popping up, and I think there's just more of a conversation about streetwear that's 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 happening. And yeah. I think a lot of people want to get into that conversation, you know? And, and that's good, you know? I I really enjoy listening to other people's takes on streetwear. Like, yeah. it's always interesting because everyone has a different perspective on everything. So yeah. And that's the great part about podcasting, especially within the field of, of talking about streetwear, because when we first started, you know, we were sitting in, you know, um, at the time my office at at where we were working together and we would just talk about streetwear. Whoever would walk by would throw their input in and, you know, it didn't, obstruct what your, we were talking your about your desk was like the water cooler it at was the at the like time everybody would and go it in literally and got just, me in trouble yeah, every time yeah because all we would do was talk about shoes what was coming out or how we felt about this and that and that's literally where the no chance podcast sort of blossomed and it's just great to see other people talking about streetwear as well and it just seems to be all over the place and especially how easy it is to start your own podcast oh nowadays. yeah for sure like One so of many like, apps and yeah, stuff yeah yeah definitely so, so um, sort of talking about podcasts and stuff, there was actually one that I listened to a couple days ago, actually, um, that sort of in- inspired this episode that we're going to be talking about. And it was a conversation between Jeff Staple. Jeff Staple, if you guys don't know who he is, created the the pigeon dunk, literally like the the bomb that blew up in terms of what, you know, the sneaker game and just streetwear in general, around like the prime era of and when it all happened, um, Jeff Staple, Reed Space, uh, Staple, Staple Design, Design. Yep. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. He interviewed the co-owner. Would you say the daughter? The of daughter the of the founder of Colette. Colette, for uh, those who don't know, is a what you call it like the premier, and they use a specific term. Um, but I wanted just to make it sort of understandable across uh, people who don't know. Um, I'd say like the biggest fashion boutique mixed store in Paris, right? Yeah. Um, How would you better describe that? Would you call it like a? It's not a department store. It's no, not it's a, a multi-brand. Store. I, I, I hesitate See, I, to even use the word boutique. Yeah. But it's basically it's a multi-brand store along the lines of something like a Dover Street, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So they carry pretty much any and every brand that you could ever want yeah like in once in one yeah. store and so. i compared it pretty closely to what most people are kind of familiar with which was an urban outfitters but in the sense of it's a a giant collaborative store with tons of different brands brands that are coming up brands that have been solidified in the game as well as publications maybe perfumes maybe hair products whatever anything Housewares. that's currently I want to say cool or associated with a certain type of time period. It's hard to really pinpoint exactly what Colette was, but Colette was a very important piece of the streetwear timeline and it being open for 20 years. What was it? 1997? Yeah. 1997 and closing most recently in 2017 in December. December. Yep. Um, So a little bit of background about Colette, but the conversation that uh, I listened to, and I, I suggest anybody to go on to Hypebeast, 
the business of hype. Did I get that right? Business, business of, of hype. hype. Yep. To listen to this this talk because it was amazing, and I've always we've always known about Colette, right? Like you've known about Colette. It's been a thing, like, but yeah. they've always been in the wayside. Oh yeah, I mean, you may not know much about Colette, but their work is everywhere. Yeah, you know, like from working with Nike mm-hmm. to working with Adidas mm-hmm. and all these other huge names, Chanel. Yeah. Um, who else? Um, SLP. They mentioned in the interview that they had worked with Gap, H and M. Most recently, H and M was like the last collaboration they had before they had. Um, closed shop in de- in December of last yeah. year. Um, but sort of the conversation between Jeff Staple and Sarah Andelman. Yeah, uh, yeah. Make sure I get that get that correct because if she's ever listening, I want to make sure I show the utmost respect to uh, literally the queen of streetwear. I would I would I would almost assume. I mean, that's a long time from 1997 to 2017. Yeah. To own you know a physical brick and mortar store. Um, but literally their conversation sort of surrounded. Uh, around this, the upbringing of Colette, you know, where it came from to, you know, why it shut down. And if you guys happen to listen to the daily payout that uh, we put out the other day, we sort of talked about the the end of an era for brick and mortar stores, right? And Colette being the, I think, the only shop in Paris, like literally the only place to visit for streetwear at the time back in what, like the mid 2000s or whatever oh yeah would you I, say so? I would say so i yeah. mean obviously we don't live in paris and yeah but like, we heard about it yeah and why do you uh, before we get into sort the sort of history lesson uh about colette why do you think a store in paris is able to speak so loudly to consumers in america or even like how do we get to even know about something like this I think because just everyone in the world in general has such an elevated view of Paris yeah. is that anything associated with Paris is are automatically held in higher esteem, you know? I think that's true. And when it comes to like Colette carrying streetwear or stuff that's not normally associated with Paris, yeah. like that to me that makes it even cooler, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. I I've always revered Paris and and don't they have like um like a, a Paris Fashion Week, yeah, or is it yeah, like, yeah, Paris yeah. Fashion Week. Yeah. So it's there's something about just fashion in general in Paris that's held to a higher regard. It's um, royalty. It's um, it's it's like one of the birthplaces Renaissance. Like, of Renaissance. like yeah. it's it's all the the sort of artistic creation that sort of inspires what American stuff is sort of made after. Um, so basically a little bit of background or we'll go through this sort of timeline of, of Colette. And maybe if you're listening, you probably already know a couple of these things, but essentially as if, like Nate said, what they opened in 97, March of 1997, um, the mother of Sarah, right? Sarah Andelman, mm-hmm. her name is Colette. Colette. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, just to fast forward and sort of, um, the store, it, just so you know, the store closed because uh, Colette, the 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 lady that sort of founded this this amazing store, retired, and there was no need to keep the store open because Col- 
if there's no Colette, there's no story. It's a, and I'll get into the conversation between Jeff Staple and uh, Sarah Andelman a little bit more. But it's, but before we get into that, yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's uh, what's your take on that? Like, do you think that's a fair reason to close? I mean, obviously, like it's her business, so she yeah. can do whatever, whatever, yeah, she wants. That's a good question. I do you think, think that was the right move? I think so. I think it, it takes a little bit of context to understand why brick and mortars tend to shut down. As we just saw, something like the hundreds on Post Street in San Francisco shut down. Yeah, I mean, but as far as like business-wise, I don't think that they were strapped for cash or they were hurting like business-wise, you know? I think... Like, I th- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Like, what do you think? Do you think that... I don't know, like, what? just what's your take on it in general? I think you grow out of things. I yeah. think there's a point where you're just like... You know, like e- there's some people that are, that go so batshit crazy about their creations, about their companies, about their brands that one moment where it just feels a little bit off, they're done. And it's it's a crazy realization, but I think that that was the mentality of just like, I think I'm good now. Like, I don't know when you can make that severe sort of cutting of the of the ties between something that's you're so dedicated to, but yeah. I felt like some people can do that, but uh, it's just crazy, you know? I mean, like, for me, I get it. Like, we always have to close certain chapters off in our life. Yeah. But do you think it was not necessarily, I don't want to use the word fair, but do you think it was kind of a letdown to the community for them to close? Yeah. Or do you think everyone had sort of more of like a celebratory mood? Like, a yeah, they did yeah. actually. In, uh, in the, just sort of reading the recent articles about, you know, the time that they did close, because I believe every sort of fashion publication there was was covering it. It was more of like a they'll live on forever. Yeah. So it's one of those things where people understand, like when you put your your blood, sweat and tears into something, they show how you give back to the community and and provide a, a safe haven, a community or um, like a safe haven for people to come to and talk to you about clothing and all that. Yeah that's more than enough than, than that they would expect. They don't expect you to keep, you know, putting all like, your entire life on the line for, for their own Benefit, benefits. You yeah. know what I mean? So once they see like, oh, they're really about us, you do whatever you want at the end of the day. You yeah. Know? So why do you think Colette was such a popular place? Like, why do you think a lot of people gravitated toward it? You know, like why, why is it such a big deal? How come it's not just another store closing? I think it's when you look at streetwear and we both know the people that see something for what it is before it becomes popular are the people that we entrust our confidence in. So like for that person, like back in the super back in the day when you would see a rapper that's obviously like super blown up now and they're just like, yo, listen to this guy's music. He's really, really good. Yeah. And you're just like, ah, I don't know. Like he sounds kind of whack to me, but within like a year, a year and a half, he's the biggest superstar ever. You look at that guy that showed you that artist and you're just like, all right, I kind of trust your tastes in artists now. You know? Yeah. I get what you're saying. And yeah. I think that's what sort of, sort of blossomed from. And you tell me because they were the original the way we look at like a like a Atmos in Japan, mm-hmm. right there, that specific lo- that specific location's gatekeeper of what's what's I'd cool. say of what's cool. Yeah, yeah. So you tell me because I mean you've gone to to your you've gone to Paris, right? You didn't have a chance to go to Colette. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to go to Colette. Unfortunately, but tell me how how just to sort of 
when you're in that environment of what you, of what you see and what you feel and how how Colette sort of fits into that and, and embodies that sort of culture, you know? Yeah. I mean, as far as like streetwear, obviously now it's bigger worldwide. Yeah. Um, Europe, everywhere. But I think from the time that Colette started, I think that they were one of the only stores doing it out there, you know? So obviously they were a hub for like-minded people who enjoyed the same things. Um, Which at the time was super niche. It was super yeah. like... Maybe Especially in Europe, a and Paris handful of people, yeah, yeah, would yeah. would know about it. So they, it's like walking by, you know, like thrift stores today, and being able to have a conversation with the owner or an associate, and being like, "Wow, there's not too many people that like actually like these clothes." So it's cool to see like people come out for it, and that's how it was back in the the late '90s, which yeah. is surprising. You know? And you know those quotes that you sent to me earlier today, um, before the podcast, um, talking about how they kind of chose what they were going to stock yeah. in their store. You know, Sarah Andelman, you know, to kind of paraphrase what she said, she said that they do what they want. Yeah. Like they don't, there's no, they don't formula. care. About, yeah. There's no formula to it. They don't care about the status quo. They don't care about what anybody else is doing. They do what they like. They trust themselves. And that's to do the that. crazy thing because when you when you're a pioneer in streetwear right you don't know what to refer to if you don't have a business degree you don't know how to do business you're doing it off of sheer gut feeling yeah and so she communicates to Jeff Staple about how when she would do she does the buying for for the actual mm -hmm. store and in the early early years when they would have sort of these giant buyer get-togethers kind of like what complex con and agenda is for the modern times yeah so they would all get together and she would look at something, probably a brand that she'd never heard of. Maybe it's a newer season of an older brand and just surely go off how she felt about it. And she wouldn't have line sheets. She wouldn't do numbers. She would just say, I feel like a hundred of those pieces would work in my store. Or maybe the next, the next season she'll be like, I feel like two pieces will be good in, in this store. It's just a... a uh, it's a feeling. What do you call that? It's an instinct. Yeah. For this stuff. And I think, like I, that's what I respect the most. You know. Yeah. Like that's to me, that's just so real. Yeah. Because, you know, you could go to any other store, and there's, you know, they're, it's kind of like cold calculations, like mm -hmm. what's gonna make the most money, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Whereas their approach was more so this is what I like. Like I, yeah. it's almost like, this is what I like. I want to share it with somebody else. Yeah. So I think that approach, I think that's a winning approach, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when you look at the, the actual store and just, uh, how she sort of describes her methodology for how they ran the store. So she is the buyer of the store. She goes out and scan, uh, and scouts these, these potentially new brands to bring into the store. Um, they had a formula of, changing the store every week so they're closed on sundays um and they close and remodel the store every week so it gives the the person who maybe lives a couple blocks away to come to the store and experience it a completely different way yeah every and time. i thought that was that's so insane cool. yeah. dude yeah. like imagine how much work it takes to make a store feel brand new yeah every week, <laughs> week every week after dude. week yeah. every week that's insane. That's like going to Disneyland and there being new rides like 
yeah every time i mean that's kind of how it is but i mean you and get just imagine saying. like the sort of effort it takes to figure out how to how to curate a store to know what item and she probably realistically didn't really care what item sold or not she just had a feeling that this would be good this time or whatever this is what people are coming in for um but we like we used to work at nike and we yeah. used to do overnights to to reset like a wall <laughs> yeah know? literally like not <laughs> she's doing an entire store yeah a three floor three story floor uh no wait three floor st- store <laughs> <laughs> a three floor store and resetting it completely to give the consumer a different experience every time you tell me what store right now is putting that much effort into their their brick and mortar not i can't many yeah and that's what makes me hesitant to think why the fuck did you shut down yeah i mean yeah it just it, it really it's is it's a bummer because obviously we can't experience it yeah. or anybody else can't experience it but i mean just the fact that we know about it and we haven't been there just kind of speaks to its legendary status exactly exactly Um, and i mean like i said before they've collaborated with the biggest names that you know anyone knows nike for instance yeah um fucking slp chanel whoever like literally literally everyone a lot of different people yeah yeah. so that just speaks and that's crazy for one single store to collaborate with these billion dollar brands like that just speaks volumes to what they were doing yeah so and some of the some of the more important uh, pieces of what Colette has done for the streetwear community is, they've brought in a lot of the brands that we know and love today. They've sort of, like we said earlier, they are the pioneers of, of of cool. So whatever they deem as being cool, other people will deem them as cool as well. It's they're the standard of what they think is is cool. So another good story that uh, that Jeff Staple um, talks about with with Sarah is how um in the past couple past couple years they would see her at like these agenda shows these trade shows right and there would be this phenomenon happening that when she would walk around by herself she would go into these individual brands whatever brands had their little um you call them booths i guess yeah Yeah, they would have booths she would walk in look around she'd probably write something down maybe talk to the person leave and then you'd see all the other buyers from other stores go into that brand so it's almost like a holy shit sarah went in there i got that's that's the new brand yeah. you know what i mean that's yeah. such a crazy that's ass a new phenomenon. wave dude, yeah. th- th- after like listening to this thing it was like dude she is a fucking legend yeah and i knew nothing about her because um she they kind of go over how she does not the type to like do interviews and just very to herself and likes to keep you know there's certain people that like to keep a mystery to to the face of whatever it is you know yeah they want to be swayed away because of the person being outlandish or whatever you know yeah yeah so it, it was it was so fucking good it was so good god i mean like you said that just it just shows like how much of an impact this one store had on literally everything like yeah the way the landscape of fashion and streetwear culture today you know like, and i think the closest comparison like you mentioned earlier was dover street market yeah dover street market uh, you 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 explain it because you you have a better understanding of like 
um what's his name the one that started it he started Comme de garçon oh you mean the girl the girl yeah oh yeah okay the girl um, sorry ray kawakubo <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um basically dover street market is another multi-brand store fairly similar to like a colette they stock Everything from like high fashion, so like Comme de Garcon to like Gucci, Supreme, Supreme. <laughs> as funny um, as that is, and then like smaller streetwear brands too, like Brain Dead. Uh, if you're lucky enough, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Gosha. Yeah. Who yeah. else? Just like any, like a lot of other stuff like that. Um, was that the first? Okay, in the in the episode we talked about going to New York. Was that the first time you went into Dover Street? Yeah. And you've been to New York how many times? Like a handful of times, right? More than a dozen. No, less. At least like 10. Eight to 10. I, I can't even forget. And that was the first time. That was the first Dover time Street. I've well, been to Okay, Street. what was your first impression of going into a place like Dover Street Market? Because it's not your, it's it's not not your, your average order, store. ordinary like that. Store. Honestly, that was. That was an experience in itself. I had so much fun in there. We were, we were in there for like a good like yeah, hour. I'd say so. Like we were just chilling. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, when you go into a store like that, it's an experience, you yeah. know, like you take everything in and like we kind of talk to some employees about like mm-hmm. a little bit of stuff, too. Um, and it's just it's so crazy to see so many different things under one roof, you yeah. know, like as a consumer. It's almost like it, it's like being a kid in a candy store. It, it is, you know, for for us and, and the things that we like it, and seeing things that we see online all the time but to actually see and something that sarah talks about is to go into a store see it touch it try it on have a conversation with the associate whoever's working there yeah that's the experience that keeps these brick and mortars alive essentially yeah and i mean we talk about this all the time like in our other episodes with uh other stores closing and just the fate of brick and mortar um in the future i think that Places like that have the winning formula, you yeah. know? Like, it's all about the experience. Doesn't, I mean, I didn't even end up buying anything, yeah. but I was just so happy to be in there. Exactly. Yeah. And you would come back. Exactly. You would come back. They yeah. have their, they had a little cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely advise anybody that lives in New York or hasn't been there or is visiting there to go visit. It's 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 an amazing place. Yeah, that's a place where I would hang out. That's yeah. where, that's a place where it almost sounds corny, but it's like, I feel at home yeah definitely like, definitely like-minded people exactly products that you like yeah you're you're le- you would be essentially be learning on a daily basis yeah and like we talked about in other episodes like places like that are a hub for like just the streetwear whatever whatever community you know mm-hmm. like it it's just a place where people gather whether they're shopping or not you know no that's very true yeah, yeah. and just to sort of uh take it back to colette so um these two stores, uh, Colette and Dover Street Market, both started around the same time. The, the concept of of housing, whether it's friends, clothing lines, or uh, potential things that they were interested in and in, in being cool, these these ideas of, of concept stores, so bringing together a bunch of different brands and, and pr- producing an experience. I think, I don't actually... I don't think there's any like that right now. As far as like other concept stores like that? Now, concept stores, they, they, they exist, but in the sense of of that feeling, that experience, right? Now, there's there's an there's End, there's Haven Shop, there's Bait, there's 
uh, undefeated. Like these are shops that bring other brands into a centralized place while also selling their own merchandise. Yeah. But when you go into these places, it almost feels cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't feel very welcoming. Yeah, More often I, than I not. agree. I agree. I'm sure um, like you guys are all cool and everything, but that's just the general cons- that's why you get the general consensus of I don't like going into these shops. Yeah, so no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I don't know. It's just something about it. Like, it's just, it's different, you know? I yeah. don't know how to explain it because you have to actually have experience gone to it. experience it, gone to these two different types of shops. And yeah. You'll understand. Like, yeah. It does. It feels less homey, you know. It does. Like it, it doesn't does. feel like you're having a good experience. It just feels like you're there to shop. So why do you think that is? Because these some of these shops that we talk about are in our backyard. We walk by them all the time. We 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 go there pretty periodically. Why do you think it it feels like that when it's literally in our backyard? I don't know. It just to me it feels like everyone there is just business minded, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, for me, when I go shopping, like I want to have an experience, like I want to be able to enjoy my time spent in the shop. It's not necessarily about buying things. It's more so, am I being enriched? You know Mm, what I'm saying? Good point. Good point. Now answer this question then, because I just thought of it as you were, as you were saying it. And this idea that, uh, Sarah sort of brings up is, that Colette was never meant for the streetwear person. It was meant for everybody. Yeah. There's no specific consumer base in mind. Now, when you look at a place like an undefeated, you look at a place like Bait, you look at a place like uh, Haven Shop, and we've been to you know tons of other ones. Yeah. I feel like if you're not the type of person to wear that stuff that belongs in that store, you almost don't feel welcome in. And I mean, like we we wear that stuff, but yeah. I still almost don't feel welcome. Yeah, in, you know? there's a certain to a certain extent, it almost feels as if, damn, like we're already shunned within your community. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe we have on cheaper clothes, or maybe we don't make enough money to afford the, that type of clothes. Kind of like a paradox, you know? It it's is. like we're within our own community, but we don't feel like we're a part of it. Yeah. But then when we go to somewhere that's like. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. When you go to another store that maybe has more diverse selection. Maybe you feel more at home because, you know, you'll see different types of people in there. So it's like, you know. Do you think it's the selection or do you think it's it's their ideal target, right? Like we don't wear, I don't think I've, I haven't bought a, something from Undefeated in a long time, at least with an Undefeated brand yeah. logo on it because, you know, it's a... Um, I mean, I used to play sports when I was in high school and everything, and I, I wore did a you? lot of under. I did. Let's not get into that. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways. I used to wear a lot of undefeated in high school. I played a lot of sports, so I kind of associated with it. Don't shake your Dude. head, man. <laughs> I'll provide. I'm front, pro- man. Where like, are the picks? All right, on the No Chance podcast, Instagram, I'm going to post a pic of me like winning a championship. I, I have the footage somewhere out there, but... At the time, I used Does to wear the a lot water of, boy get a trophy too. Nah, <laughs> no participation awards in my league, but we used to wear a lot of undefeated. And that's because it, I was associated with sports. But now, growing up and not playing basketball anymore, it's just kind of like I don't feel like I belong in that store or even wearing the brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's we an said- inclusive. It's an exclusivity thing. Like it's just ha- like there's a certain person molded 
for undefeated stuff. Yeah. Whether it's within their lookbooks, whether it's uh, who they sell their items, whatever. I don't, if I don't feel like I fit that mold, I'm going to feel like I'm getting vibes from people that don't think that, oh, you can't wear that stuff. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's one of those stores where it's like, I'd rather just shop on your website than actually go into the yeah. store, you know? But there's dozens of others that make us feel the same way. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of listeners feel like that when they come into some of these somewhat intimidating retail experiences. You know what I mean? Oh, just a quick side note. Shout out to Stashed. Yeah. Okay, let, let's just provide a little context here. Sta- the Stash, <laughs> the right? Stash, T H E Stash, S F, is a new store located in San Francisco. Um, for those who actually know the neighborhoods, it's in, located in the Dog Patch area, pretty close to the San Francisco Giants ballpark. Right? Yep, yep. Uh, a couple, I'd say like half a mile away. Um, it's very rare in San Francisco to, you know, bring in a new brick and mortar. There's a lot that have left, yeah. especially within yeah. streetwear. Yeah, for sure. And anybody that knows the history of San Francisco streetwear knows that a lot have come and gone, and the only ones that have ever come in within the past four or five years have been some of these brands that uh, we're kind of iffy about. You know, you have yeah. brands that are modeled after a specific trend. Sometimes I don't know why they're still here, but hey, like to teach their own, but if you ever have the chance to come to San Francisco, definitely t- check out The Stashed. I keep getting it mixed, mixed up, but The Stashed. Same thing. Um, Potato, potato. Amazing store. Very similar feel to some of these other ones. but the but Like the, a union. Yeah, like a union. Um, higher end clothing, but also uh, great staff there. So shout out to you guys. Um, Sorry for that little tangent. No, I but, think uh, it was important to talk about. Uh, about retails because it's something that we experience or that we've been experiencing the past couple of weeks. We've had a chance to visit there a couple times, and there's we we even saw um, a store that we talked about in a recent episode. A Dark Side Initiative just opened up a new store in San Francisco. So the things that we want in this city, we're starting to slowly get. Finally, cool. yeah, uh, I'm super hyped about but that. Anyway, anyways, what were we just talking we're, about? Something about Colette. I don't know. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, we were comparing like that that feel of like brick and mortar stores and like that awkward feeling that you go into the store. Yeah. So I think that that sort of exclusivity of not belonging to the brand kind of turned you away from yeah. it. Yeah. If you're listening to this, go back and listen to what episode was what? that? I have no idea, but go back and listen to that one episode. Sorry, we we're talk- closed. Yeah. That's what it was called. Is that it? Yeah. It was about brick and mortar stores? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one. I yeah. think that's like episode eight. Episode eight? I think I'm just naming numbers. All right. Yeah. But, anyways, <laughs> go listen to the episode if you want more insight on how we feel about uh, brick and mortar stores. And yeah. And it, it, it's a funny thing because it's, it's, it's always changing. Like, you have to understand that sometimes this podcast generates around three different themes, and that's. <laughs> like whatever's happening these, in the in, in the retail these. business, whatever's happening in you know fucking streetwear, and then whatever's happening in just pop culture in general, and with retail and brick and mortar stores, shit, everything's changing on a daily basis out here. Yeah, we can't come up with any new material, so we have to recycle the same episodes. <laughs> Yo, did you you know that movies only follow four of the same themes? Oh yeah, definitely. Then we're good. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Four is the same as Episode. Seven, 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 five, six. Yeah, episode seven, the newest one. The yeah, Force yeah, Awakens. yeah, yeah. Of course. So we're good. It's okay. We're good. We're recycling themes, not ideas. We're good. Okay. So, anyways, makes more sense. Where are we at? Where are we um, at? And I think, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, we're we are talking about 
the ex- exclusivity part. So I think when we look at where Colette is now, right? Um, where they were. Where they were. Um, right now, so they're officially closed. Uh, Sarah is opening, or just, she decided to create this thing called, um, I think, I don't want to butcher it. And I don't want to look it up because it's going to take oh too God. much time. Oh God. But I think it's called uh, a good idea or just an idea. It's um, something that she wants to create to work with other brands, people who artists who have ideas and use her creative prowess and connections to build the next brand, essentially. Basically yeah. like, um, like a consulting firm. For, yeah. For so cool basically people. what she wants to do essentially is... Um, just be able to work with different like-minded people yeah. in order to basically kind of collectively build just an idea. Sorry. That's what it's called. Did I Is say that, that what you said? That you literally Sorry. said I that. Did, you said I that be, twice. I hesitated though. I wanted to be confident about it. Just an idea, that's what it's called. All right. Continue. Anyways, like I was saying before <laughs> I was really interrupted. Um <laughs> interrupt me all the time. <laughs> all right, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she just wants to work with other like-minded people in order to work on different projects, whether that's like art direction, fashion, things like that. So yep. basically what we want to do. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm not going to plug us, yeah. but I think that that's super awesome. And I think that as that being the next step of sort of reinventing yourself and when you have like what she's basically did is only have one job her entire life in that being for the past 20 years, it's it's a scary thing. <laughs> True. So shout out to her. And man, that'd be so awesome if we get to meet her one day. I would love to ask her like all sorts of questions. But um, on that note, I think it's it's okay to sort of, and I think I talked about this in the, in the payout is like, when is it time to end? And I think it's, it's kind of depressing to see like a store like Colette, which I never had a chance to go to. You never had a chance to go to, even though you're probably very, very close to the store. On a daily I would, basis. I was, when you were in Paris, I was only in Paris for two days, but I was literally on the street that it's on. I just missed it. I went to like all these other stores in Paris <sighs> except Colette. So. All right, man. Well, uh, but that's... then my okay, but then my dad went in December before Your dad it closed. Is <laughs> my dad is on it, Your dude. Dad is like hip. he, <laughs> he'll ask me like, "Hey, did you see that Supreme drop? Hey, I heard about this. Like, hey, like before I even get to you yeah, about like, it, it's like, damn, like let's get so him on the podcast. podcast? Yeah. But anyways, yeah, yeah he went to. Uh, he went to Colette. He saw you. Did you know they have a water bar there where they stock like, like, like different types a of a ton water? of different types of water? Did you know that? No, that's some high end shit. Right yeah, there. exactly. And yeah, he was there. Um, I forgot what brands they had when he was. Out Do you know there. if he like actually saw her? Like, did, I'm sure she's there all the time. I don't know. Damn, that's crazy. I don't know. But shout out to my dad, man. Yeah, and uh, I mean just to sort of put a stamp on on the whole Colette thing um that the, basically they ended on their last day of uh, of business they had lines out the door it seemed as if it was a celebration of life rather than the end of an era it's like when you go to a funeral exactly, you know like right? no one wants it's, to be sad it's the so you positive talk about the we're looking moments. at the positive aspects of it and um they had a little party and when they shut down shop it was just one of those things where it's just bittersweet and the web shop then closed, uh, I believe, the next day or something like that. But the last collaboration they had did, and I think everybody knows of this one, is the is the NERD human human uh, fucking the NMDs NMDs the Pharrell ones the yeah. Chanel ones yeah the Chanel NMDs that yeah. was the last thing that they did and um, 
damn, I wish I had a chance to go there. I should have told my dad to cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely shout out to, to Colette and everything they've done for Street Where Those are one of the, I'd say like if there was a Mount Rushmore of people, I'd say that she belongs up there, wouldn't you think? Out of like the four people. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, okay, okay let, let, let's talk about this. And <laughs> right. If we had a Mount Rushmore okay. of streetwear, I'm going to say gods and goddesses, who would they be? Sean Stussy, even though he doesn't, he's no I, longer I affiliated say, with would, Stussy. I would say so, yeah. James Jebbia. Definitely. Uh, I don't know. Ooh, I got the number. I okay, got the last go ahead, two. go ahead. So I'm I'm gonna go with your two, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I got Sarah Andelman, okay, okay. and then I got Ray Kawakubo. Ray Kawakubo, that's like more high fashion. If we're I'm talking pu- streetwear, I'm pulling. I'm pulling from every part of the world. Well, okay. I mean James and and Sean Stu's here from America, but same thing. All right, whatever. Yeah, I feel cool. like that's cool. Okay, right? I'd rock with that. If those are the last four like designers that I could wear ever in my life, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. And, I mean, on that note, you want to end the episode? Sure. I, I think that hey. was cool. I mean, we're going to try to try to do these little history lessons as often as we can. I think it's just cool to to name a brand and just say how we feel about it. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's, like, the coolest aspect because, I mean, you can get super in-depth, and, and that's why we don't want to, like, literally say a, an entire interview word for word. We'd rather you guys just go out and explore and go listen to it yourselves. Um, but it's cool to have an insight on everything. I think I have an opinion on everything, so we can name any brand and sort of go back and forth about it for an entire hour. <laughs> they don't knowing, want no smoke. Knowing completely nothing about it. But I would say like definitely. That's what we do every episode. Of course, man. Everything's off the top of the dome yeah. on this thing. Nothing's ever scripted. <laughs> Which is uh, good and bad. Yes. And on that, thank you guys for listening to episode 28. Listen next week for episode 29. We'll still be here. Episode 30 listening party. Ooh. Live show. Ooh, hint, hint. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. We'll wait till episode 100 for that (laughs) one. All right, guys. We're out. Peace. Later. Later.